are we feeling? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about our feelings uh, at the moment in our Sunday messages. Um, and I know the response to that question will be really varied. Um, but we are talking about our feelings because our feelings or, or, or basically our emotions um, are a, a super important part of our humanity. Uh, we are all human beings, yes? Just checking that we're all humans here today. Some of you, I'm not so sure, actually. I can't, sorry, just turn the lights. Yeah, we've got some humans in here today, uh, some superhumans. Um, and uh, yes, we were created by God um, as human beings. If you're not sure, just like pinch yourself, make sure, yeah, I'm, I'm a human. And um, part of our, there's different parts to our humanity. Uh, I've, I've recommended this book a few times, a book by a man called Pete Scazzaro, who is a pastor uh, from Queens in New York. He wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Church. No uh, exaggeration to say that book changed my life when I read it about seven or eight years ago, talking all about the emotions and being aware of this huge part of our humanity that we feel things. Don't we feel things? And sometimes what we do is we can... Uh, ignore our feelings because we think our feelings or maybe we've been taught to think or maybe we've kind of not ever thought but we we can kind of think that our feelings are there to be pushed to the side because we don't want to be led by how we feel a Christian phrase is let's not be read, led by our feelings let's be led by our faith and we're all like yeah the problem is we can be led by our faith and ignore our feelings at the same time to our peril. And, and guys, it's not a question of either or. We can know how we feel and be led by faith. We can know, where, we can feel sad, but be full of faith. We can grieve, but be full of hope. We can be full of fear, but full of faith. And we're like, how does this, see as humans, what we want to do, we want to think, what we, we want to think, have this kind of dualistic thinking. It's almost like, in our DNA, we either want to think right or wrong, black or white, left or right, queen, no queen, royalist, Republican, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republic, Trump, Biden. And now we're talking. And so we want to start, it's kind of how we are. We want to think, we, we have this dualistic thinking, and I believe actually faith requires what we call non-dualistic thinking, where we're okay to live in the tension of not knowing. We're okay to live in this tension of, do you know what? It might be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It, there's some truth in that, and there's maybe not some truth in that. And as Christians and as faith-filled followers of Christ, I believe he's calling us to live in this, feel the tension of something. We don't have to be so black and white on our issues, right and wrong. The culture we live in today is so, it's calling, it's almost screaming us to be in this camp or that camp. And you know what? As Christians, like Jesus is king. And it's his way that we're following. And that way takes some working out sometimes. And uh, so... Being emotional, knowing that we, we've got this part of our humanity is, is a really healthy thing. And going back to the book by Pete Scazzaro, uh, he said there are five elements to our humanity. There is the physical element to our humanity. So we're physical beings. 
we are spiritual beings. So how we relate to God or whoever our God is, the spirit, the, we, we have a spirit. We, we have our social uh, being, which is how we relate to each other, how we do friendships, relationships. We have our intellectual being. So our mind, how we grow our mind or don't grow our mind, what we read, what we listen to, our intellect. And then the fifth part of our humanity is, is what we're talking about at the moment, our emotions. And we're just asking that question, how are you feeling? Some people, they can answer that really well. They know how they feel. Some of us, we just struggle to pinpoint sometimes, what, how am I feeling? I don't know. No one's ever asked me that question long enough for me to give them an answer. Because most of the time when people say, how are you doing? They don't actually want to know. They just want you to ask them. So you will listen to how they feel. But sometimes it's nice to just say, or be asked, how are you feeling? And to stop and think, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? And so that's what we're talking about. That's what we're uh, looking at. And there's, uh, there's, a, there's a few things that we're kind of hanging this series of messages on. And the, the main thing is that uh, I mentioned this before, Jesus, our King, in his humanity, when he walked the earth, Jesus was emotional. And by that, I don't mean like how we might think, you know, when you say, oh, they're an emotional person. They're so emotional. They're always crying at the adverts. They're always like so emotional. Jesus showed his emotions. We, go th we can go through the New Testaments and go through the Gospels and we can see that Jesus got angry at the right things. Jesus grieved and knew sadness. Jesus knew hunger. It seems like when you go back to the Bible and read about Jesus, most uh, like Jesus like was always eating. I love that. I love eating. And I see Jesus eating. I'm like, it's okay. I can eat and enjoy it. Jesus, is, he knew hunger. Jesus knew tiredness. We're going to come on to some of that today. And that's what kind of we're talking about, um, uh, the, this, this, this tiredness. I just want to remind us of this quote about being in touch with our emotions by Dan Orlander and Tremper Longman III, the guy with the greatest name on earth. And this, this quote is, I think it's going to come on the screen, from the book called The Cry of the Soul. It said this, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions, in other words, just listening to how we feel, it ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They're the cry that gives the heart a voice. And last week, we, uh, I, I began to talk about this uh, sense of tiredness and weariness and this burdensome that we can feel in life um, through various situations. Sometimes tiredness, we bring it on ourselves because um, we just stay up too late or we, maybe we, we're not watching our diet or we don't have any boundaries. And tiredness is sometimes brought on ourselves. Sometimes the, the soul tiredness, which we're talking about, is a tiredness that just comes through because of, because of what life has thrown at us, because of a, a relationship breakdown or difficulty in our marriage or in a relationship or tiredness because we're grieving, tiredness because the situation at work that you haven't created is just overpowering at times, tiredness because you're just trying to live for God, you're trying to do the right thing, but you keep getting it wrong and you're beating yourself up and you, you just think, I'm tired of trying to please God. And we can have this tiredness in our souls. And Jesus 
speaks the tiredness and Jesus creates, or God creates through Christ. He creates this thing called rest. Rest. And rest in the Old Testament looked like a day. So when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested from his work. And God created this principle of rest. Did God need a rest? No, God doesn't need a rest per se. God doesn't need to stop doing what he's doing. He's God is in control. I think it's Isaiah that says he doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't slumber. So God didn't need a rest particularly because God needed a rest. God needed, God rested and stopped because I think God wanted to remind people, listen, it's good to stop and enjoy what you've got. It's good to stop and just stop trying to be and just stop and rest. And in the Old Testament, we see that God created this principle. It's called a Sabbath day. Well, with the coming of Christ in the new era, the New Testament, Sabbath is no longer just a day, although that's a really good thing to do. Sabbath is a relationship with God himself through Jesus. And so Jesus, the Sabbath in flesh, as John Mark Homer says in his book, uh, which there's a link to on the blog uh, from last week, Jesus the Sabbath in flesh says these words in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight. He says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Notice Jesus isn't saying, take a day off every week. He's saying, I'm the day off. I'm the day off in flesh. I'm the Sabbath. Sabbath is, you're going to need more than a day to recover this soul weariness. You're going to need a relationship. Come away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Today, to cut to the chase, I want us to learn to rest like Jesus. How do we rest like Jesus? As a couple of things to just introduce this, resting like Jesus. We're going to get quite practical towards the end, but I just want to say a couple of things about rest and busyness. And the first is this, that being busy isn't as glamorous as we can sometimes make it look. You know, sometimes you talk to people, you say, how are you doing? They go, oh, busy. But there's the badge. I'm busy. The other badge says, aren't I amazing? I'm busy. Oh, yeah, never been busier. And we can say it as though, like, that makes us a legend. But, like, this busyness isn't as glamorous as it looks. There's a quote by a man called, uh, a theologian called Dallas Willard, who quotes C.S. Lewis, and and it's going to come on the screen. It says this, C.S. Lewis said, busy people are lazy people. That doesn't mean it's wrong to work hard. He's talking about managing your time and what kind of, everybody say this word because it's a cool word, oomph. What kind of oomph it takes to decide what you're going to do and not let other people decide it. See, being busy is really, most of the time, about allowing others to tell you what you're doing and when you're doing it. Being busy 
doesn't take discipline. Being busy means that you're going to run around for everybody like a headless chicken because you feel like you've got to control everything that's going on in the world. And if you stop, what are you going to do? Being busy isn't as glamorous as we can make it look. Let's stop glamorizing busy. Here's another thing about rest. Uh, Rest is a way of putting God back in the driving seat of our lives. How many of us want God to lead our lives? How many of us want God to direct our steps, to direct our plans and our purposes? I think we make a few statements when we rest. When we rest, we're saying God is God and I'm not. When we rest, we're saying if it doesn't get done, then the sun will still set tonight. Because the sun has set for centuries before I arrived. And the sun will rise and the sun will set maybe for centuries after we have departed. Sometimes just stopping is saying, God, I'm not as in control as I think. I can trust you, even though my house is messy. God, I can trust you. That tickled some of you because you're like nudging the bonnet. Yeah, told you. Told you I didn't have to hoover yesterday. When we stop, we're just saying rest is more important than this thing I've got to go and achieve. And here's another thing about rest before we get on to resting like Jesus. Rest is going to take some discipline because we'll always find an excuse not to rest. We might think, well, resting like Jesus, it was all right for Jesus. He didn't have to think about working for his pension. It's all right for Jesus. Jesus didn't have to keep up with his Facebook feed. It's all right for Jesus. He didn't have to do what I've got to do and manage a home and manage our finances and manage my family and get everything sorted in life. He didn't have to serve all the coffee team at church. He didn't have to serve in the band. It's all right for Jesus. His life was nothing like ours. All Jesus did was hang out with his mates, drinking wine, eating bread, dipping bread in olive oil and stuff, and just walking around in sandals, healing a few people, chilling out, making jokes about camels and donkeys and needles. It's all right for Jesus. His life was nothing like ours. So Jesus could rest. If Jesus' life was like my life, there's no way he'd be able to just chill out and and do what he was doing. But but here's a couple of things about Jesus' life when we think about it. Like, Jesus had a really stressful job. Jesus' task was to take 12 teenage boys and turn them into world changers. And he had three years to do it. The clock was ticking. Jesus had a stressful job. Not only that, but imagine the expectation on Jesus. Oh, son of God. Come on then. Show us what you got, mate. Jesus, the expectation of the people at the time was that Jesus would overthrow Rome. And Jesus decides to show them by riding on a donkey into town instead of a horse. Jesus had a stressful job. Jesus knew about expectation. And remember, amidst all of the life that Jesus lived... He had this huge thing hanging over him. He had the shadow of the cross. He knew what was coming. He knew what would eventually kill him. He lived under the shadow of a gruesome death. He knew what was coming. But all the time, Jesus chose to rest because he needed to rest. He needed to rest. And here's a couple of ways that we can rest like Jesus. Jesus is our king. Jesus is the one we follow. 
Here's a couple of ways that as I just read the Bible, as I read the story of Jesus in the New Testament, here's a couple of ways that I think Jesus rested. First of all, Jesus rested his spirit by spending time alone with God. Jesus rested his spirit by spending time alone with God. It says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I love this picture of Jesus. See, Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus had a pressure job, high-pressure job. Jesus had so many expectations on his shoulders, but he still needed at times to rest his spirit just to get alone, just to turn his phone off, to silence the notifications, just to spend some time alone with God. And we can flesh this out a bit if we want to and apply it to our own lives. And, you know, maybe you're a morning person. Maybe you're an evening person. Maybe you're an afternoon person. Maybe doesn't matter. I just want to encourage you as we rest our spirits like Jesus, sometimes it's just a good thing to just get alone. When we're alone and we turn everything else off, we're alone with God. I want to tell you, it can be a scary place because you're left alone with your thoughts with, dare I say, your feelings, with your emotions. But when we do that, when we rest our spirit, when we get alone, we enable God just to recharge and refresh. Maybe this week, just try and create some alone time, some space, some quiet, to let your spirit rest. How else did Jesus rest? So he rested his spirit by getting away. I believe Jesus rested his mind by getting away from the crowds. Further on in the story of Mark, it says this, Mark 4, 35 to 36, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This is the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, so Jesus has left the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, but there were also other boats with him. So Jesus rested his mind by withdrawing from the crowd. But notice, he doesn't withdraw completely from everybody. He comes away from the crowds, but it says the other boats were with him. There is a smaller group of people with Jesus. And it seems to me that Jesus is creating what we might call a boundary. He's creating a space. like By coming away from the crowd, Jesus isn't saying that that crowd isn't important. He's not saying that that crowd don't need him, but he's saying they've had my time. I've spent time with them. I've helped them. But for my mind, I need to get away. And actually, this involves getting away with a smaller group of people. He creates this thing called a boundary. And a boundary says that for this week or this day or this hour, I'm not going to let anything unsafe or anybody unsafe enter this space. My mind needs a rest. Sometimes our minds need a rest and we just need to create a fence. A bit of a boundary. See, boundaries are good, yeah? That's why we have fences. Well, we don't really have. Who has a fence around their house unless you're really well off? But you know what I mean. You know, white picket fences, that kind of thing. But fences and boundaries, they're a good thing. I'm glad there's a boundary on the motorway to stop cars crisscrossing. I'm glad there are boundaries 
of walls. I'm glad there's a, a roof. I'm glad there are certain boundaries. And boundaries are sometimes a good thing because it's good to just get away and not let certain things, certain people in because our minds need a rest. Some of us, I want to encourage you this week, just begin to create some boundaries, some safe spaces with phones, with 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 your social media or with other people. Sometimes it's a great thing to give our mind a rest from what's going on, to get away from the crowd, but just allow ourselves some mind rest. Mind rest is super important. And another way that Jesus rested is he, I love this one, it's my favorite. He rested his body by taking a nap. Listen to this. In Mark 4, 37 to 38, Going on, so Jesus has left the crowd. His mind needs a rest. We know his mind needs a rest because of what he does now. He says, it says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So there's a storm. Jesus is on the boat. He's been busy. He's been ministering to crowds. He's now with a smaller group of people. And Jesus, it says this, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And I love this because Jesus in this moment is listening to his body, which says there might be a storm going on, but right now I need a kip. There might be so much going on in the world right now. There might be so many things. I know there's a storm out there, but right now I'm shattered. I need a rest. And some people say, well, no, Jesus didn't need a rest. Jesus slept because what he was doing was he was trying to get his disciples to trust him. Maybe. He was trying to show them that if he had a secret sleep, one eye open, he'd teach the disciples a lesson to try and calm the storm themselves. But I don't think that's the case. I think Jesus in his humanity is just tired and he takes a nap. And it shows us that Jesus is listening to his body. Sometimes we just need to take a nap. Anybody like napping? I love napping. I've got to be honest with you. So a few months ago, I I started this thing. and Well, not a few months ago. I tried it a few years ago. And then I left it for a while. But a few months ago, I started this thing. It's called the 2 p.m. nap. And... I find if I can nap for like 10, 11, 12 minutes, what happens? No longer. If I nap for longer than like 15 minutes, that's it. I'm gone for the rest of the day. Nothing else good is happening other than me walking around in a slumber. But I have like a 10, 12 minute nap. And what happens is it just recharges your body, recharges your mind. I wake up and it feels like morning again. And I'm a morning person. I'm like, come on, let's go. Because you listen to your body. I want to encourage you. Napping isn't for everybody. But I want to encourage you, listen to your body. Sometimes Jesus is saying, come to me. I want you to find rest in me. But just as Jesus listened to his body, sometimes one of the best things we can do is just say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to have a good sit. I'm going to rest. I'm going to have a sleep. I'm going to recharge. I'm going to refresh. And it might sound really simple. Like, well, that's really obvious. You just preached for 20 minutes about that. But the problem is sometimes as Christians, and the whole thing that we're trying to say is this, we don't listen to our emotions or our bodies because we think it's not spiritual. We think we've got to try and stay in touch with the spirit, and we have. But sometimes the spirit is saying, take a nap. Sometimes the spirit is saying, take a day off. 
Sometimes the Spirit is saying, just silence your phone for a few hours. It'll do the world of good. Sometimes we say, God, I'm so tired. I need some rest. And he's saying, I know you do. Just have a sleep. Refresh yourself. It's okay. It's good. It's a good thing to rest. Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, come to me and I'll give you rest. And that's the end of the preach. Let's stand together. And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song together on the screen as well. God, just reach out to God right now. God, we need you. And uh, I just pray that you'll help us to rest. I pray you'll help us to find rest in you. I pray you help us, Lord, to find rest in stressful situations. I pray you help us to listen to our bodies when we feel tired. And I pray you help us, Lord God, to ignore the voice of shame and condemnation that says we've just got to keep going. Help us, Lord, to overcome that and to push on and to push through into all that you've got for us. I pray, Lord, for anybody in this meeting right now or watching online, and specifically they're struggling to sleep at night. I pray in the name of Jesus for some beautiful sleep tonight. Pray in the name of Jesus for some rest, for sleep, for refreshed bodies, that we might live the lives that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.